0: Is it a rescue attempt? Might be. Yes. Wednesday,
1: Wednesday, 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 that's all right,
0: hey! Isn't that supposed to be Saturday? What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon. It's for Falcon Screen, and we are joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Yo, 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 yo. And not this week for there, unfortunately, though he will be joining us next week for a full-on spoiler discussion of the film we are discussing in detail this week, because we are coming at you live. We have just watched what is unquestionably the biggest film of the year. We're talking about Unicorn Store on Netflix. No, we're talking about Avengers Endgame, the 22nd? Film in this universe
1: oh god so quickly so quickly but um, so quickly they've racked up that many films it's been i still remember in 2008 it was
0: 12 years ago going with my friends to the anime club opening night same cinema it was the same cinema hang on you went to the anime club at uts yeah just uh, i, I we've, recommend it it is we've, we've never
1: spoken about anime we could have totally had a nerd out one of these days we have to do this on, on Film Fight Club. Have we never covered anime before? I think we've never covered anime. and and But more surprisingly, outside of this show, I've never spoken about anime with you. Okay, this is a future episode. So the closest we ever came to t- discussing anime was what, The Matrix? Y- I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you know, we were... Ta- we always made this joke about uh, Terrence Malick, David Lynch, because they were the people I would find a way to force into the conversation. And I um I was thinking of my director obsessions if there would be a number three it would probably be Hayao Miyazaki but somehow I've never mentioned him on the show ever no I am offended I think we've ever
0: discussed it so yes in a future episode however this episode while we will be discussing the Khan announcements of this week later in the program we are talking about Avengers Endgame. Now, two things. First of all, this is a spoiler-free discussion. And oh man, we screwed ourselves with that rule. Yeah, it is one of the most difficult films, if not the most difficult film I've seen this year to talk about without spoilers. Having said that, we will be talking about the film in and scenes and aspects in broad terms, but we won't be talking about spoilers. We'll do that next week. Um, the second point to make is that I... We literally just watched this at the cinema and came straight here. So I can't think of a film where we had such an unfiltered view. I didn't know anything about going in. I haven't read any reviews. I reckon I there might have been
1: less of a gap be- before we spoke about Infinity War, actually. Um, is... more, yeah, I think, I think we, we pretty much came straight out of that into the cinema. We did. Into um the
0: studio, I should say. We did. Um, a year ago
1: today. Yeah, yeah. Which means, do you know what today is? The day before Anzac Day. It is the day before Anzac, is Day. It, is it the second anniversary of Film Fight Club? It is the second anniversary of Film Fight Club to Happy the day. Happy birthday
0: day to us. us. Now, what is great about this is remember the pilot we, f- we recorded was um, actually, no, the That's pilot didn't have fun. any Guardians on it or no, Marvel. the first episode, the first of the first episode of the Kelsey, had two. Yep. The year episode was Infinity War, and the second year episode is
1: Endgame. Yeah, so rather than Lynch and Malik, I would say the patron saint of Film Fight Club, it turns out, is Marvel. And, I don't know, what, Chris Evans, Chris Pratt, the Chris's?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, happy birthday to us. And more reportedly, congratulations for the biggest film of the year, Landing.
1: Uh but... But do we have to give Marvel our congratulations? No, we don't. We really, you don't. know, we, we come out here, we volunteer here at Two ser <laughs> just for you, dear listeners. <laughs> you know, Marvel, Marvel will be okay without us giving them a pat on the back, which is what we're going to do today anyway. Because as the as the resident Marvel hater here on Film Fight Club, I was surprised to say that it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Now we would give a synopsis,
0: but. Look, as if you've seen Infinity War, which we're guessing you have, okay, you so know the, that it's the, the second part, guys, the 22nd
1: part the, of the good guys the want to beat Thanos. I think you can pretty much figure that out. That's um, basically it. Yeah, and I was—I wouldn't say I was
0: pleasantly surprised. I went into it with decent expectations, and it was a good film. There's a lot of drawbacks. We will get into it. This is one I can see myself watching again in six months on Netflix. I may even go see it again in cinemas um,
1: later in its release. I'm not sure that this is the kind of thing that... I ever really want to see again because it's kind of weightless. Well, okay, it's it's not weightless to the extent that um, Marvel films usually are. I find the biggest problem with Marvel movies outside of Infinity War um, is that they don't feel like they have any kind of... Um, they don't feel like they have stakes. It doesn't feel like people are in real danger, but I also think they are so lightweight and sort of um, disposable by design, that they don't have any real thematic heft to them. This this movie does more than usual, but it's still, you know, there isn't that much to think about. So I wonder how it will hold up on rewatches. One big issue for me
0: was the stakes. I feel we'll get into that later. I think another... Element that will be. I will delay re watching it for myself is that so much of the appeal, and it's an interesting the anal- how it is analogous with Game of Thrones, which is also on at the moment and having a huge cultural resurgence after a couple of years away, is that part of the appeal was seeing this on during opening week, we're seeing it with a massive crowd of people who were screaming and clapping and cheering Clearly and it's singing the,
1: anticipation. It's, it's the new Star Wars, I think. Um, oh, watching there were crowds of just fans outside Loki and everything. I think, yeah, it reminded
0: me of when Phantom Menace came out. It reminded me of when The Force Awakens came out, actually. I remember the midnight screenings and having that atmosphere. Look, this was for the most part very enjoyable and I say for the most part because the substantial part of it was what I love best about these films in that they went on a classical mission as they did in Avengers there was a plan and it was executed and it felt haha oh, we're getting the ga- we're getting the gang together, and we are going to execute this plan that has been alluded to in the trailers. The plan we're not going to discuss in any detail. I would love to get into the spoiler discussion of this, but to, to, to suffice to say, it does take a relatively novel approach on a very tried and tested for trope of these sorts of movies.
1: The reason why this and the previous one, Infinity War, stood out to me, um, in the apart from the other Marvel films... Um, other than the aforementioned feeling that there's more of a sense of stakes or more of a sense of, of weight to the action, that there's real danger going on, they have pretty cleverly constructed uh, concepts, you know? Like, most Marvel movies, for me, are, like, the absence of ideas, you know, um, the bare minimum put into it. But this actually has well-considered, well-put-together um, fight sequences um but more I'll than disagree that, with that in some respects well, we'll get into that. it's um i would say more than the i i don't okay um my issue with the fight scenes it's is that... oh god okay uh, uh, all right i think we can do some bare minimum spoilers i think i think it's it's hard to think you know to talk about doing a review without giving anything away I
0: think We can talk i'll about say this, this,
1: this movie has heist movie elements it does. Yes, yeah, that's, that's one thing. I, I hope I can go at least that far. I think, that, and, I think that's very fair. Which are well constructed. Um, there's actually some very witty um, construction of scenes, you know, like the seeing how, you know, the the stealth and the the tricks that the gang put together was way more fun than Ant-Man, which is meant to be a heist movie series. And I think that- like finally they found their, their imagination at Marvel. And it was exceptionally
0: well-handled in the way they attempted to hark back to um, some of the classic elements of what we know from these Marvel films. These are the most enjoyable elements, but what was a drawback for me was actually the fight sequences, and it is such a thing in almost every one of these movies where each of these characters have particular powers or abilities, but it devolves to a knockdown, drag-out, brawl, punch-up, and there was so much of that there. That really did frustrate me, and that was when we get into the elements of the stakes as well.
1: Well... Yeah, I don't know why it is that I was okay with it uh, this time around. Because usually, I always roll my eyes at. Okay, here is another thirty minutes of just weightless destruction, and this does culminate in weightless destruction. Ultimately, you know, it's a Marvel film; they they always do. Yeah, um there's, there's a sequence, if anyone's played
0: Ocarina of Time, the final sequence in Ocarina of Time basically feels like a sequence of this movie, and it is too, like, so much of this I too CGI-heavy, which is why I liked Infinity War, because the final sequence happened in Wakanda, in a field, a naturalistic element. It was This good. feels can, completely
1: digitally constructed, um, and sometimes that's jarring in this film. The first time we see Thanos, actually, I just thought, wow, this is... this. They haven't even bothered to give this a sense of reality. This is, is just completely digital in a way that jars with i think the more grounded and gritty feeling that they've tried to give the marvel universe at the at least in the beginning of this film um and ultimately yeah and the way that the action plays out it is very I, I mean i could feel the long shadow of what peter jackson did to filmmaking in terms of his inclusion of of digital elements and the way that he stages action in this film in a big way um it felt like it's hard to get away from that influence now. In terms of spectacle, um, the more successful action in this film is of you know the, the heist type scenes because there you know there's hum- humanity at play there. It's about confusing people. It's about tricking people. It's about people having to improvise when something goes wrong. It's not just about um, watching, you know, a million little plastic CGI men get blown up over and over and over again, which is always frustrating. But for whatever reason, I get, um, even though I agree, ultimately the action wasn't that much different to what we normally get from out of Marvel. But I guess I was tricked into <laughs> to the feeling that this movie has more stakes into enjoying the CGI spectacle uh, more than I usually do. I will say it's better choreographed. The the infinity, um, the fighting scenes aren't as well put together, as clever as the ones in Infinity War. Doctor Strange battle there was probably the best thing Marvel's ever done.
0: We're talking about the 30 seconds where they traded with reality and Time Stone, which was fantastic. But talking about how the battles are staged, what I liked about the Peter Jackson films is that even though you have a grand sweeping spectacle of many um, CGI figures, many things relying on digital and practical effects... The way the camera was positioned, the way the scene sequences were filmed, it felt like, oh, I'm just sitting here watching this. I can realistically see that this was staged before my eyes. The Marvel films do this very seldomly, where characters are flung at you at the screen. One of my favorite sequences in Infinity War, and I didn't see it replicated in this, was when Thanos... On the planet uh, where he came from, is holding Tony Stark, and you see this, the size of him. You feel the stakes. You feel the weight of it. And there was nothing like this in this film. Turning to the elements of the stakes, I really liked Infinity War because it set up stakes for these characters, uh, as very famously done by the, both the beginning, the very good beginning, and the end of the film, which I rewatched just a few days ago. This um, there is a key sequence in this film where there is an explosion, and a character is uh, affected by this explosion. A character should
1: be toast, okay, but isn't.
0: And it is a character <laughs> who um, is not established as someone who could ever survive or has equipment or material to do this. And not only are they alive, but they are miraculously unhurt. We see this happen. It's a very full-on moment. And at that moment, it was, oh, okay, the traditional stakes of what we've come to know over now, about 19, 18 Marvel films prior to Infinity War, is back. And that was a huge problem for me. And it had put a bit of a douse on a, a substantial portion of the film.
1: It's when you realize that... Everything about you know this is the grand saga coming to an end, and you know like anyone could die, whatever the feeling that Marvel have tried to create with the last film, you realize that that's an illusion that the um the this movie isn't that ballsy, everything's telegraphed, everything goes accord you know according to a logic and a plan um it's a lot safer than I think a lot of people might expect. Going back to the action a bit, I guess the reason why even following that moment, you realize that there's not you know much in the way of stakes, and we are just watching a bunch of um plastic c g i men flying all over the place flying towards the camera, digital mayhem. I will say it uh even though it is wearying, it was at least well choreographed, it was fluid enough to follow um even if it is sort of kind of the same thing over and over. I think just the sheer weight of the spectacle kind of won me over a bit. I'll never say that this was rousing in the climax, and that I was particularly emotionally involved in the in the mega battles. That you know, it's not a spoiler to say that a Marvel movie ends with a mega battle. (laughs) Have have any of them not? It's 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 not, and no, none of them have. I guess Doctor Strange subverted it somewhat. Oh, but it still had no. That was a
0: still reality defining end of worlds yeah. type moment. But in terms of that sequence, there was only one character who I call. they're on the poster, and they fly around a bit, um, stood out at all. Mm. And um, she was very good in the film. I, feel, <laughs> I wonder who it could be. I wonder who it could be. Uh, otherwise... I think we should talk about the actors for a bit. Um, Chris Hemsworth, I think, had probably my favourite turn in this film. He... We we saw in the early Thor's years how he was very serious, foreboding figure, and then later um, quite a switch up when it came to Avengers and Thor Ragnarok became quite a comic figure. Not just the comic figure, the Thor and Giant of the series has become the huge, light-hearted soul of it. Um, this was very much on display here as we are introduced reintroduced to his character. However. I wish they'd gone... There were hints in the film of this classic Thor, which I do love and still prefer. I wish we got a little bit more of that. Having said that, the introductory scene with him, in very quick succession, Chris Hemworth is required to marry both parts of his character, and that's handled very well in one of his few really dramatic sequences. Um, otherwise, we're we
1: talking about early on in the film? We're
0: talking about the first scene where we... I wasn't re- sold by him.
1: that, because it's that Marvel approach to humor, where just all of a sudden um, any kind of really dramatic moment is always about to be popped you know by by some kind of quip
0: except so, it was not unrealistic the situation he found himself in and that's... I,
1: I I don't know I just wanted to feel a little bit more of the weight of uh, you know the choice that he that he was being put put in and marvel always find a way to undermine rea- reality uh, you know the reality of this world through the way that it's written um that the problem with their comedy is that it's so um, they're going for this particular kind of awkward comedy, but it always feels retrofitted into the into the scenes to me. It doesn't ever really seem to organically arise from the situation. The, I think the Infinity War films handled the you know the trademark Marvel quippy style better than any other uh, Marvel film since the first Avengers, but there are still times when, I, I, maybe because the tone, you know, that the quippiness is balanced out by the feeling of that there's genuine danger and genuine sorrow going on for the characters. Um, but there's a moment early on where Scarlett Johansson says a nice little dry joke, which I chuckled at and it felt like something a real person might say as a joke when confronted with, you know someone else saying something strange to them it's and it yeah it it just stood out to me because i thought how come marvel humor isn't written like this more you know it's not underlined for the audience but it's, it was funny. I thought this is the funniest thing I've ever heard in a Marvel film because it felt r- real. It's the only
0: instance of dry humor I could think of in this entire series. On the point of the humor, I think there was a little too much emphasis in this film on what I termed the Drew Carey style of humor. I'm very referring to the Drew Carey show where a lot of the line, the, the quote-unquote funny lines, where one line is directed at someone else as a bon mop bon mot or a tort where you're supposed to just laugh at it there's a really awkward sequence where one character in response to a really serious down moment makes a joke about fast food and another character consuming fast food i think it was like some that American was so stupid cheese. it was and so it was just so like awkward you can, just see, just, see the, you can just
1: see the line on the script and, and just like okay uh,
0: you that was that was you're supposed to say this one we're sorry that shouldn't have been you um we were talking about the action earlier the one se- there's one sequence in the film that really stood out for me. We talked last year about Into the Spider-Verse and how it staged sequences in a comic book style. Mm. There is one sequence in this film which does that. I don't think it does it nearly as well as any of the sequences in The Spider-Verse or many other films that tried to do this. I'm talking about a sequence that takes place in Tokyo with a character who was infamously and noticeably absent from the first film, of Infinity War, I really liked the sequence. It was the only sequence that felt like a genuine comic book sequence. Reason I, for that is that parts of it took place outside of our plane of sight, and others, due to part due to the need to have subtitles, which they kept popping up on the screen, like they do in some of the better comic forms. And I quite liked the sequence. It
1: was nice in that it felt more spont- um less digital. That it was like an just actual uh, quality action choreography that, you know, not involving plastic, purple, grimace characters. Not a, probably a big green ball on a stick. Yeah, but um, I had to roll my eyes at that moment because whenever I see, you know, the thing of like white guys with, you know, samurai swords or doing kung fu or whatever and like beating Asian people, I just think like, all right, yeah, <laughs> fair, here, here fair, we are again. Fair. Uh,
0: But they did, like, in the context of that, in a reference to uh, events that were going on in Mexico, they established a real interesting backstory for one character. I want to see a movie... uh, Okay, we're talking about Hawkeye. I want to see a movie based on that. I want to see what he was doing uh, for the intervening period between the films. Like, This would be a more interesting film than just about anything transpired here. Mm. Um, Speaking of some of the most interesting elements of the film, um, we'll talk about this in very vague terms, but um, the... Moments we spend with some key characters, I think, are handled very elegantly. They're not, uh, particularly at the later stages of the film, they're not. Ele- they're not um, overwrought, not overdrawn. They don't. They. They're not allowed to overrun its course, but they are handled in a manner that I wouldn't typically come to expect from like scenes, of particularly Guardians of the Galaxy Two mm-hmm. and the first Avengers film, where not dissimilar events happen.
1: Look, the way that. Um this film is and it is not emotionally engaging as interesting i go into any marvel film really skeptical it's hard not to be it's a self-preservation mechanism right so it's a wonder i like this film at all um i try to watch everything fresh okay i'm not i'm not as i'm not <laughs> as cynical as i present myself to
0: be we we went in wanting to enjoy this yeah like that's right everything. i
1: always i always do want to enjoy a film i'm just prepared not to <laughs> sometimes more prepared than other prepared times prepared just more food afterwards. Yes, More right. ranting. <laughs> yes. Um, we always love to get in a rant. But But um, I don't really have any emotional connection to the Marvel characters. Um, I ha- don't feel like clearly a lot of the fans in the audience do who are clapping and cheering at the appearance of people and certain callbacks to the previous films in the series because all of that basically means nothing to me. I've always found these films to be really emotionally shallow. Um so early on in the film, when they're referencing the drama from Captain America's Civil War, um, I just thought, okay, well, that felt stupid to me. Now, um, the way the characters reacted around the issues in that film, and it it felt stupid to me then, it feels stupid to me now. Um, but nonetheless, this film takes its time early on to try and set up the emotional reality of the of the characters and the stakes for them. Um, it feels more relaxed than usual for Marvel, despite a very fast paced opening. And I felt like I, you know, I was enjoying getting to know the characters there. So this this movie actually, in order to create emotional resonance, had to do almost all the the heavy lifting that for me that the entire series has done for other people, you know, and get me to like these characters and care about them on this journey in its first third, and it actually did that, I think, really well. The other thing is, for a three-hour film, man, this flies by. Yeah, it's incredibly fast-paced, particularly the opening act of the film, and a,
0: a great deal happens. It's comparable in that sense to Return of the King, where there aren't actually that many dry or um, non-active moments. Um, on the matter, of, so your, to your previous point, mm. which was...
1: Yeah, talking about how old the film sets up the emotional yeah. stakes with characters um, early on. It's interesting. I drew the Game of Thrones
0: analogy earlier on. The last two episodes that have gone to air have been heavily criticized for, quote-unquote, not a lot happening. They're some of my favorite episodes of the series because... For good reason, prior to a major event, which is clearly happening very shortly, we are spending an enormous amount of time world-building on character development interactions, reunions, but also significantly, characters who have met before and learning about each other and their dynamics. It's exactly what happens not just in the beginning, but throughout this film. I appreciate that with so many lords to serve and so much action to build and so many sequences, they have, things they have to explode, there's still such a dedication to world building that, oh wait, there's a wonderful moment where they say we, we, have to, well. so, yeah, we have to figure out which characters haven't had sorts of experiences when characters introduce each other and a hilarious and sometimes not. It's, it would appear mean-spirited, but it's just that Marvel
1: sort of quibbiness. I don't like the way that Ant-Man always has to be the butt of the joke. I get that he's Paul Rudd, but like I felt like this guy deserves more respect than the, the other characters give him. He works hard. Yeah, he works hard. He's, he's he's doing he's doing good, man. Um, but yeah, going back to the the general kind of structure of this film, when by the time that it moves into a more comic register, which uh, which it does in its second third, um, look, I I feel like they they carried that off pretty well. Um, I uh the difference, thinking back on the general structure of this film, compared to most Marvel movies, is that it's it's not just a, a monotone. I find that most Marvel movies go for the easy-watching, kind of easily digestible feeling where um, we're always in this kind of light, quippy space. There's never that much of a threat from the enemies because it's there's kind of the feeling behind the, the scenes of, like, you know that the villains aren't really a threat, so we're not going to pretend that it's ever that much. It's just, you know, it's like put it on in the background and relax kind of thing, which is why the how people get so invested in Marvel has always mystified me so much. But this film actually feels like it's trying to tell a more interesting story. You know, it starts off in a in a more low-key way, then it goes into a more of a funny register, then suddenly things become more urgent and there's escalation. So I guess what I'm trying to say is good on you, Marvel, for finally learning how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. But,
0: uh, but what they haven't learned, and what I'm still frustrated about is, they're, you know what, Themes theme to this movie, in terms of the, the actual theme, is it good. The music, they just deploy the a bunch boring. of Credence-type hits throughout the film. Um, it's because, I don't know, they have the back catalogue, and they can, but they feel there needs to be some mu- score in the scene, and suddenly, oh, it's we're just, treated it's to just, this music it,
1: that we don't need. The Marvel movies always just have filler music, essentially. And uh, this one, The Avengers had a memorable theme, but outside of that... Um, no. You don't
0: need to deploy the so many times. I feel like and I you can't start... deploy the themes for every single character oh, because it just get annoying Look, as they arrive. I'm um, Suicide Squad style.
1: I feel like I need to start criticizing this film because I, despite me just praising it through here, I didn't love it. Um, j- j- as soon as you started seeing that Avengers theme, I just saw. Uh, like just playing in my head, came up like a cheesy slow motion scene of the whole gang like walking together, you know, into oh, the sunset. Yes. And it's like, a man, in- they do that so many goddamn times. It's it's so dumb. I just had a moment of like, this is so dumb when for the fifth time in the movie, like the, you know, the dramatic music plays and the guys walk in in slow motion and hero poses. And it's just, All right. There are, okay, okay, okay. there are three "Quote unquote"
0: gang shots. This film. One is shot from the side and is very poorly done. One, uh, the second one, which I think will be quite talked about, involving uh, particular um, what some some characters I really liked. Um, The last "quote unquote" group shot. um, The gang. uh, They were just kind of showing off a bit there, and um, I'm not not surprised.
1: This movie essentially boils down to at the end of the day is fan service. We'll talk about this more next week in our spoiler discussion on the podcast. But there is there is a lot of fan service in here. And most of it, I think, is, is executed fairly well. But as it all started to pile up at the end, I had this sense of, like, I was still enjoying it. Like As I said, you know, I'm still enjoying the mega chaotic battles going on, um, despite them being kind of samey. Because I guess I just gave in to the sheer weight of the spectacle. Um, it's so dumb, but at least there's variety in showing us something so huge Um, And with so many different environments, it really feels like a mega production.
0: Part of the appeal of this, um, as I said earlier, is the fact that it is on such a grand scale that with the exception of... um Game of Thrones, and hopefully the episode 9, we're likely to see um, a film film of the scale in terms of anticipation and execution potentially for quite some time. It is such an event, the fact that as I alluded to, Mm. um, I remember watching the first one 12 years ago. We've gone through 22 of these. This is the end of phase 3, which they've been touting since 2000 and I think it's 2011, and there is an intrinsic appeal to that. I think they lean and rely a little too heavily on them parts. I think the when, they're very and, self-aware when, when it's not, and they rely on that too much when they're not doing the um quote unquote mission sequence as which referred to that was the best sequence of the film, and I wish there had been more focus on that and simply the grandeur of this world they have built. But you can't just fall back on that. I really hope Game of Thrones doesn't either.
1: I think ultimately they're self-aware of the kind of grandeur that they're going for, and that you know this is the culmination. You know, like like what I was talking about before, the going in for so many gang shots, it starts to make the whole thing feel a little bit too calculated. And when you see this is calculated, more and more things um, seem wrong with it. Like the world building at the beginning makes sense if you think about it in terms of um, we're setting up the emotional uh, scale for, you know, and we want you to really believe this is an urgent thing and we really need to um, undo the, the tragedy at the end of the last film. But man, they overplayed it. It only makes sense in terms of trying to tip the weight of the the scales of the the weight of what they have to accomplish. It doesn't make sense as far as realistic world building because the way that half the world's population um, being wiped out is presented in this movie doesn't feels more like we've witnessed almost everyone on Earth being wiped out. Like the, there's no tangible reality. I, I was just thinking people on Earth would do more to move on than you see in this film. It's I'd like they they've they've stayed in that moment.
0: I'd love Delia to get into I, the discussion, I'm, I'm, but I, yeah, it will be we'll for next week. Those. We will also be talking next week um with the director of Cinnamon Born*, the, the festival which is running from the second of May to the fifth of May at the Randick
1: Grits, Jeffrey Gartha, and doing some coverage of the Irish Film Festival in our last minute. Oh man, just one more thing on Avengers. Man, Thanos's characterization was just dumb. Lots of things about this movie are just dumb, but it's big and it's broad and it's wide and it's fun.
0: I'd agree with... 50% 50% of your comment regarding Thanos, but that is something I don't think we can we'll discuss week. regarding spoilers. In a last minute, we just want to say that the Cannes Festival lineup, as you know, sweet Jim John Musha's new film, We're who expecting the hope SFF, will The dead don't at the die. SFF, new, um, new Maldovar film. New,
1: there's new Motivar, I've heard it's fantastic. There's a new Malik, there's a new Love Diaz. The new Malik film, of course, Matthias Schoenhurtz. A new one from the director of The Witch. Nightlist? Yeah, a new one from the director of The Witch, Robert Eggers. And Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Yes, Parasite sounds really interesting. Um, Ken Loach is back in many ways it's a lot of the same directors as the 2016 lineup. you've also and, got Cardens Adam,
0: and Xavier Dolan oh god oh, yes dear god. me and, and another Xavier Dolan wonderful I can't. I don't understand hyper around Xavier Dolan it was the worst film we need film to have, have everyone gangs up on,
1: on Xavier Dolan as one of our future film fights I'm fine with that we'll just uh, set it straight to
0: yeah it's, uh, he's, that film was terrible do not watch it's the end of the world no it's rocket man playing out of competition it was, it was about Elton John who was very who kind to give us an introduction uh, who was Glenn's favourite so yes, he is Rocket Man very soon. So there's been Glenn Faggs, Chris Evans. Stay tuned for the Sonic Assassin. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Good night. <laughs> Good night.